All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the 307 Podcast. We have got Miss Brooke on the podcast today. Um, You guys have commented multiple times that you like it when Brooke comes on the podcast. So I love it when she's on because I know you guys like it. And I like it, too, because she really puts a lot of great... Something Brooke's been thinking a lot about today is perspective. And she gives us a, a great perspective, I think, whenever she's on the show. So thanks for joining us, Biscuit. Thanks, boo-boo. Tonight's going to be, well, it may not be tonight where you are, but it's going to be a Q&A episode. This is, these are some of my favorite Q&A. These questions came from a story post I made on Instagram. And, um, yeah, we got like a few pages. Some of them will be rapid fire. Some of them we'll dig a little deeper into. We'll try not to spend any. We'll try not to spend longer than about five minutes on a question, um, but some of them will be just single word answers. Man, it's gonna be fun. I'm pretty wore out today. This heat is rolling on us down here in Georgia. Praise God, I love the heat, and I hate it. Yeah, Brooke can't stand the heat. Uh, she loves the cold. I went. Three trips up the mountain today, plus a CrossFit workout. So long run, a lot of elevation gain and loss. We're starting to kind of dial in. We're getting closer to mid-state mile. So for you guys that follow my training log on Patreon, you're going to see a spike more than likely, Lord willing, in the mileage. So we're kind of ramping that up right now just to let you know what's going on with us. Blake's on vacation. So thanks for joining us. You want to dig into these things, Miss? Yeah, that sounds good. And uh, I wanted to tell everybody that the workouts you're putting on Patreon are 100% exactly what you're doing. Like I've, we've been keeping you honest and humble on that, and you've, you've been putting exactly what you're doing on Patreon. Well, and that's what I, that's what I, my vi- ultimate vision for that was just to put what I do is not to give anyone a training program, but just to put what I do and people can follow when they want to and when they don't. Right. Cause um, a lot of what you do comes from CrossFit Rome. It's not like we come up with it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The CrossFit workouts are all programmed yeah. at our local gym. And then my running stuff is just what I program all of my running stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't put any more or less than what I actually do. And, um, Oh, another thing I wanted to say for you guys First of all, look, you guys are are part of 3 of 7 Project. That's the ultimate objective, right? And there's nothing I would like better than to work you guys into positions where I can pay you to do things. So I want to just throw it out there. We video these podcasts now, and we record the audio. If you're into video, audio, social media like if that is your passion like don't don't hit me up if it just sounds like something you would want to do to help out yeah like i appreciate you i appreciate you wanting to help but if that is your passion and you want to you you want to take on a little extra work hit us up man and i'd love to have a conversation because again this 307 project this is not just me I want to bring, I don't want to bring, you guys are part of this. So the more involved you can be and 
you know, the better this thing is going to be. So I just want to throw that out there into the, into the audience's hands. Hit us up on, um, what? Shoot us a message on Instagram or email us at 307project at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that'll work. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, let's get started. Um, some of these, I'd, I've just barely looked over them, and I can look at two right here that are going to take you an hour to get through. No, it won't take that long. Uh-huh. First one, um, it's Bob Stop Talking. That I'm reading Instagram handles first. It says, when is the right Goggins showdown happening, and where can I donate? <laughs> well, I don't think it, I, I don't guess it is going to happen right now, um, because I can't, I can't get those guys to come out and, and do the competition, right? I mean, for whatever reason, maybe they're too busy, maybe they've got, too much to lose. I, I don't know. I think it would be an awesome cause. And all I can do is throw it out there. And, you know, if they don't respond, that really the only you, if you guys want to see it happen, you guys got to, you guys got to hit them up. Right. And, and, and be specific. See what happened. Like you were talking this, the last man standing. Yeah. Style yeah. Between you we, and David Goggins. Well, I think I had I talked about putting together a last man standing race that has multiple influencers involved in having it televised or covered in some way, uh, almost like a pay-per-view type of thing. So high-level um, freaking Instagram people, runners and stuff, in order to raise money for the Navy SEAL Foundation. That was my ultimate idea around this so we we have we have all this freaking influence uh uh, not not me but other people it's like what good are you doing with it you got all these people's attention do something good with it so that's my that's what i think about it that's legit boo so the answer to your question is we don't know yeah um katie j mccall asks What's the best action when your team is at 80% competency? Retrain, question mark, or go forward, question mark? You know, I love this. Uh, I love this question right here because it's something that I'm constantly assessing within my team. And the, the answer that I would give is, I guess, a two-part answer. This is a, a, a deeper question here. Let me start my timer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look. If your team's at 80%, first of all, you have to recognize that uh, if you are the leader or the creator or the founder or you are in charge of something, it's it's really, really tough to get people that are supposed to be backing you, to get your team members to be as invested in what you're doing as you are it's really, really hard to get them to be as invested as you are, right? Because it's your baby, right? It's your creation. Um, I think that's something, that, that's, that's a tough thing to overcome. But I think you can get there. And I think you can definitely get better than 80%. Uh, in my opinion, me, per, me personally, everything that I do, everything, every class that I teach, Every experience that we host, every podcast that we put out, I 
am striving for it to be 110%. I'm always making minor tweaks here and there. 80% I don't think is satisfactory to proceed with the mission if that's where your team is at. Um, as you look at the training aspect of it, mm, it sounds like you probably have some team members that need some professional development, some individual development. We went through ProDev in the SEAL teams every training cycle, and that was where you as an individual, you went to different schools to develop you as an individual, which would in turn make you a stronger team member. So think about putting those individuals through some ProDev and then think about how you're training as a team, right? Think about how you're training. as If you've went through a training cycle already, maybe multiple times, and it's only getting you to that 80% level, you might want to rethink your training pipeline. You might want to redesign your training pipeline. Do you have the right instructors? Do you, is it the right thing? Who are you learning from? What are you learning? What's the curriculum? Is everyone engaged? Um, there are a lot of things that you can do to foster teamwork uh, outside of the PowerPoint presentation. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, I wish I, I would I would wish that you and your team could come spend a, a couple days with me and my team because this is what we this is what I specialize in. Um, so, but there are other people out there that do similar things to what I do. Now, I haven't been to any of their courses. I imagine there's some of them I imagine are legit. But um, re take take another look at that training pipeline. But yeah, I wouldn't feel comfortable pressing forward with 80%. I'd focus on some pro dev for each individual team member. And then I would focus on some sort of new or redesigned training for the actual team outside of the team somebody coming in from the outside without any without any what's the word like you, conflict you like, have to have an instructor cadre yeah come, coming in yeah. yeah from the outside yeah it's uh, it's hard to do training in-house you know and we learned that in the seal teams you used to all the training in the seal platoons used to be ran internally and um you know, it's just, it's much better. We ended up shifting and, and we have a separate command that's called trade ed. It's a training command where you have cadre that trains the SEAL platoons and they're not part of the platoon. Smart. Right. So Smart. It, it works better that way. Definitely. So, With anything, uh, getting an outside perspective. Yeah. Yeah. An outside perspective. Yeah. And that'll help you develop chain of command. That's a, so many things that you could be doing to, I think get over 80%. I don't think 80% is satisfactory to press forward unless you're in an emergency situation and just keep doing what you're doing at 80%, but go ahead and plan some plan something in the near future uh when 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 you get time to to get that up higher than that. I'd say 95% would be the number that I'd be ha I'd be happy with for myself personally. I'm not happy with anything over 100% are under a hundred percent, but that's just me. Yeah. I take everything that we do, man, I take it so freaking seriously. You ready? Yeah. That was four minutes, 58 seconds. <laughs> this one's going to be a doozy. 
Um, this is Kurt.L.K. How do we know God is real? <laughs> Boy, that is a doozy of a question right there. Set your timer. Um, I just said it. All right, so how do we know God is re- real? Well, I'll preface this with, uh, with uh, this statement. I'll preface this question with this statement. There is a certain part of your relationship with God eventually it's going to require some amount of what we call faith right believing in something that you cannot see so but your entire the, the your in the your entire relationship uh, or foundation of your belief in Jesus and your belief in God does not have to be composed entirely of faith i think there is a lot of logical evidence that will point you to not only the idea of or the theory of creationism versus evolution, but I think there's also a lot of logical evidence that will point you to Jesus and the fact that he is the son of God, he he did die, he was buried, and he was resurrected. And if you look at the logical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I think it's pretty convincing. And I also think that when you look at the evidence, if you are somewhat convinced, you then have to do something with that. If you are, If you're convinced after looking at the evidence that a Jewish man that claimed he was the son of God, that claimed he was God, rose from the dead, you got to do something with that. Like You can't just like be like, oh, all right, that's good. You got you to gotta dig deeper at that point, and then that's where that faith is going to come into play. But I would challenge you to, to read a few books. Um, uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole... There's a whole. We have a book question. Don't get off. Yeah, on a I know. There's a whole thing. There's. A, I don't know if you call it like a. In Christianity, it's called apologetics. All right, and it that doesn't mean that we're apologizing. That what the apologetics it came from the Greek word apologia, I think, and it says um, that word means to to be able to make a case for something like a court case in in the court of law. So study some Christian apologetics and also study the science around um, the the, the scientific evidence that will and can point you to creation versus (laughs) the religion of evolution, whatever that's supposed to mean. Um, So there's a lot of logic out there, but it takes effort for you to seek it, right? If you, the, the mainstream media is not going to point you to the logic that God exists and that Jesus is who he says he is. They're actually going to brush that stuff under the rug. That's why it's so hard to find the actual evidence that does exist. And where is this evidence? I think, I, well, I think science points a lot to creationism. I think when we talk about Jesus specifically, I've went over it time and time again. I mean, there's three big points of evidence to me 
when you when you think about Jesus being God risen from the dead all right the one is the Roman Empire or the Jews you know they had a vested interest in keeping that Jesus's body in the tomb they crucified him to shut down a rebellion that was happening mm -hmm. so they actually sealed the tomb and placed a guard of Roman soldiers on the tomb of Christ in order to make sure that body stayed in there. Well, when these 12 crazy men started running around saying, Jesus has risen from the dead. We saw him. He's alive. All they had to do was produce a body. They didn't do it. It, it confuses the crap out of me. I mean, to me, it's logical that they would have just went to the tomb. like They were the governmental authorities, and, and they would have took the body and just drug it through the streets and said, you dummies. Here's the body of this dude, right? Um, the way the disciples acted, it's it's really, and we talked about how our faith, how our relationship with Christ has to be composed of a certain element or a certain level of faith. Well, theirs did it. So those men and women that saw the risen Christ, they they are the only people that knew one hundred percent that this Jesus was who he said he was because they literally saw him die on a cross and then they saw him come back from the dead. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have to have faith like we have to have. Right. They were the only people that have ever existed on earth that could, if they went around spreading this word that this dude rose from the dead, by the way, 10 of them were murdered, mercilessly murdered. Uh, for spreading that simple message, well, you think they would have done that if they knew what they were saying was a lie? Well, and can I say something real quick? Mm -hmm. So how do we know God is real? I struggle with this a lot. And I know eventually you plan on doing some research, but I don't think that we can cite anything right now that corroborates all of these stories other than the bible like me and you can't say you know we don't know for sure that the roman records give all of these details that you're saying like, yeah there's always going to be holes in the story um well and i i i know and again i don't have them in front of me but i know that there are roman records that um cite the existence of this man named Jesus. Yeah, but do they talk about the 12 disciples and that they all, you know, said, they? I don't know you, Jesus, when he was being crucified, but then they came back after, like, is well, all that, they we would, don't know. They would have no reason to, to make, to cite those things. All they That's were citing, saying. yeah, all they, but yeah, I mean, and there, there again, we have to have a, a, a certain portion of faith that yeah. this is a history book. Right. This Bible is a history book, and it is accurate. Right. But here's the thing. Go ahead and cite me where somewhere where it shows that, like, but what do you say, the law of thermodynamics, that two things can collide and make something brand new and then evolve into these complex organisms over time. Like, you're not going to find any evidence of that either. Well, yeah, so choose I mean, one. I mean, you know what I mean? I think, like, and people dispute me on this greatly. Um, I think that 
science points overwhelmingly science. to the theory of creation. <clears throat> so, you know, that's the first step. That's the first step is understanding. All right. A good book for that is The Long War Against God. Um, a good book for the topic we're discussing right now is called Defending the Faith by Henry Morse. Both those books are by Henry Morse. This Bible that, I, if you guys can't tell, I like Henry Morse. Uh, he was a really, really smart dude. This Bible I have here was narrated by him. Um, so the evidence is there. You got to dig for it, man. Ultimately. Because yeah. really we haven't dug for it because you were given a measure of faith that you don't need to look up Roman records to believe that Jesus is real. But some people like me, I might need that. You know what I mean? Uh, I think, like, yeah, you're right. I, maybe maybe it definitely strengthens my faith. Yeah. Maybe I don't need to, uh, maybe I don't need to look these things up, mm -hmm. but I think that it is important for me to be able to make a case for why I believe the way that I believe. And so that's why I dig into these topics. That's why I, I do study this stuff, you know, multiple times a day. Um, and it's not for me. It's, it does enhance my measure of faith, knowing this. But really, for me, it's for other people. It's having an understanding of why, from a logical standpoint, do I believe the way I believe. Because when I present my faith to other people, especially highly educated, influential people, I have to explain my faith to them. I have to explain my belief in God and Jesus to them in a logical manner, mm -hmm. or else they're just going to think I'm some wizard yeah. practicing magic, right? Yeah. So you have to understand some level of the logic behind creationism and Jesus, and it's there much more than what we've discussed right here. Yeah, and, and I challenge you, boo-boo, to to come up with some evidence for our listeners that is not biased towards Christianity, that is not the Bible, that is not authors that are Christians. Like I challenge you over the next coming months to find some evidence like you're talking about of just unbiased records, just record keeping stuff. That's, you know what I mean? That's not written down by Christians promoting Christianity. Yeah, you're talking about like the Roman records, for instance, yeah. or ancient ancient records and Anything. stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't, I, I am so, I've kind of just started in the in this journey of dig digging into Christian apologetics and and having the ability to make a case for these things. Um, I haven't got that deep into it, but it would be interesting. Yeah. I mean. My challenge is over do, the next coming months. Do a Google. I mean, who knows what Google's going to pull up, but yeah, we'll check it out. Yeah. Just a friendly challenge, boo-boo. We're 11 minutes and 10 seconds into that question, by the way. I know you don't like that I challenged you, so we got to move on. No, I'm good, baby. I'm good. I challenge you to do the same thing. <laughs> Gosh, Lord. Yeah. I need it more than you, you too. You can... You you get through about two words when you sit down and read at night, man. Oh. You cannot stay awake. Well, and I'm about to move on, but really, like, you would be doing it to help people like me who are too lazy to do the research. You know what I mean? Like, I'm the one that needs to do that research because I'm 
a realist and I don't have much faith. And that would really strengthen my faith. Um, but yeah, so I should be the one doing it, but you're the one with an audience. So yeah, I mean, it, it would be good for you to do that for people. Um, core, what the heck? Core Stange 84, how to grow an epic beard? Question mark. Just shave for the first 15 years of your life and then stop shaving and never trim it. That's all I did. No personal hygiene whatsoever. Yeah. No grow oh, an epic beard. I mean, I do use conditioner and I wash it and I, and I also brush my beard. Brooke taught me to do all those things. Yeah. So all that helps. You used to oil it, but you don't anymore, right? Yeah. No. Okay. There you go. No hygiene. Um, underscore P A A Arker victim mentality in veteran culture specifically to time and service slash war. I don't really understand the question, but I'm guessing you do. Yeah, no, I get it a hundred percent. It's, um, that victim mentality in the veteran culture. And, and I mean, I think people have seen it in their brothers and sisters in arms that they get out of the military and they they just quit trying because the, you know they feel like the stuff that they had to go through you know is is the end all be all and they shouldn't have had to do it and this and that you know I think there's a lot wrapped up into that I, I think ultimately what I want to highlight from this question right here that victim mentality yes we do have veterans that have went through some terrible terrible things that get stuck in that victim mentality and a lot and a lot of times it leads to suicide a lot of times it leads to just a stagnant lifestyle a lot of times it leads to anger towards uh, civilians and anger towards our government things like that yes there are people getting stuck there but I think a huge portion of this problem is y'all say what you want, but is a veteran's ability to get treatment for the things that they did have to go through and the things that they did have to endure. Amen. Um, I actually have a video on my phone of me standing at the VA office and they would not let me in, nor would they enroll me into their system. Get this. I'm a hundred percent disabled. Uh, they would not even, First, they wouldn't answer any of their phones. They wouldn't let me in the office. They wouldn't enroll me into the system. They wouldn't give me an appointment mm -mm. until I finally had to say, if I don't get treatment for the conditions that I have, um, I, I will. Uh, it's gonna. It's not gonna be good. Which right? is true. It, yeah, I mean, there are things that that I I need treatment for. You know, and it's like I had to. I had to pull out my phone, tell them I was videoing it, and then essentially threaten them for them to even get me to a place where I could even try or attempt to make an appointment. And then actually making an appointment is a whole nother level. It's not happening. Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely, yeah. it is absolutely insane. We're going off on a tangent, so, but let me say real quick, like you're talking about just to move you from Virginia to Georgia, just so you could get an appointment, took months. And then we went up there several times. We got turned away. 
I think it took a I year. Mean, it was, it's like you said, I don't want to get off, take too much yeah. time, but it is, I like, I think you're right. People don't understand how terrible the VA healthcare system yeah. is. And, and I think a lot of these veterans that are stuck in this victim mentality, well, yeah, it, in a lot, a lot of them, some of them are victims of war and the things that they had to endure. Yep. Now, that's not an excuse for them to have to sit in that, but it's a lot more complex than just saying, hey, dude, snap out of it. Right. You know what I mean? I Even my, my buddies from the SEAL teams, I mean, these are hard dudes that can't snap out of it. I mean, they they need they need help. Now, I don't know if the VA, even if you get enrolled in the VA, I don't even know if they're going to give you the right kind of help. But um, but anyways, it, it is a issue, man. And you know, if you guys want to want a really good picture of what it looks like for government to run your health care, amen. Take a gander at the VA. Yep. It, it's I mean, it is an atrocity. Yep. And I think that contributes a lot to veterans that stay stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this horrible, horrible mindset that they're in. Yeah. That's my two cents on that. That sounds good, baby. I think it's more complex than just telling them to snap out of it, man. Heard. All right. Jack Go HR30 says, what's your favorite or most recommended trail running gear? Mm. Oh, wait, he's... He's spitting out his chewing tobacco. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely uh, for for racing and and running long distance, I got to go with Exoskin. Um, they're they they've been spot on, man. I've been using their gear for three or four years now, and uh, it it always works. Now, look, Exoskin gear is not made for you to wear out on your Friday night date with your <laughs> girlfriend or your wife. This stuff is made for you to put on when it's time to go run the trails or race. Um, it's just specifically designed for that and it, it gets the job done and I haven't found anything. I've went through all kinds of socks, swift wick, smart wool, um, you name it, all the daggone running socks out there and nothing compares to the exoskin socks. Same with apparel. Um, you know, uh, as far as just working out in the gym, uh, first form sent me a bunch of shorts and shirts and stuff. And I love their stuff, man, just for in the gym. Uh, it's great apparel to wear in the CrossFit gym because, again, exoskin gear is made for running and endurance sports. If you're wearing it in the gym, you want to wear it as a base layer unless you want everybody in the gym to see what you're working with. Which is what you do. I've never wore my exoskin gear in the, into CrossFit. I swear you've worn it out no. in town before. <laughs> I may have just because it's what I had on, but it wasn't on purpose. Uh, so, yeah, apparel-wise, definitely uh, from head to toe would be the exoskin stuff. Some some people don't like exoskin. I love it. It's worked perfectly for me. I don't know how you could not like fits exoskin. My, fits my body right. I mean, it's, uh, but, uh, you know, it's compression gear. It's, it's different. Yeah. It's specifically designed for the trail. Yeah. So By the ex- way, we got a pro code for them if y'all want to get some. Yeah. What is it in the show notes? Okay. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Um, any other trail running gear? Which we have a question about shoes, so let's not yeah. dig into shoes. Um, apparel, you don't have headphones. You use salty britches on your yeah. feet and anywhere you chafe. Food. 
There's nothing really running the running vest. I like those Nate. What are those Nathan running yeah. vests that we have? Nathan. We got a couple of those. I really like those. Yeah. I went over all this stuff with our Patreon people the other day. Oh yeah, you did a gear class, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. We do this stuff. This is the kind of stuff we do on Patreon, but it's way more specific and we have more time to do it. Okay. Well, we'll move on. Um, Mike91971 Craven says, Can you help clarify the value of sharing your testimony while trying not to be inappropriately vulnerable? Mm, yeah. When we just did a podcast the other day on vulnerability, and, um, you know, I, th I think it's boiling your testimony down. Your testimony basically being your story of why you are who you are and why you believe the way you believe. I think you need to boil that testimony down to the the nuggets that are relatable and valuable to the people that are listening. Oh, no. I guess uh, I can say it after you get done. You I just, just got excited. Yeah. I, got, I, got real, I thought of something. I got excited. Never mind, okay, and, and so, yeah, and and that 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 takes practice to do that, you know, to share your testimony or your story. You got to share that thing a bunch of times, right, to get it to the point where it's nice, clean, efficient. You know the parts that are going to hit, and the parts that are going to impact people, and you know, so so you can kind of take some of the more vulnerable details out of it. Now, if you are in an audience where some of those vulnerable details are going to be valuable to the audience, in other words, say your testimony revolves around drug use and you're witnessing to a group of recovering drug addicts, then you can probably dig a little deeper into those vulnerable aspects of that time in your life, right? Because it's going to hit with them, man. They're going to get it. It's not going to make them feel uncomfortable because likely they've been through the same stuff that you've been through. So that's that's kind of what it's about. Like, like I was going to ask you, Boo, what's your opinion? Like, like what is an example of someone being inappropriately vulnerable? Uh, you know, I think you just kind of hinted on it. Though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like if... If I'm, I mean, I've got, so I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't want to say I don't want to be offensive, but really I don't want to be, but like if, um, yeah, if, if you're sharing vulnerable aspects of your story by, by that, I mean like intimate de details, right? Uh, that need it needs to be with a purpose and it doesn't, you don't need to share the, the darkest things or the, the vulnerable parts of your testimony in a crowd where it's going to be making the people generally uncomfortable yeah. instead of encouraging them, right? Well, well, and what you're doing when you do that is you're just dumping that out. It feels good to whoever's dumping it. But like you said, it it can I say what I was going to say now? Yeah, it go ahead. has to do with it. My friend Kelly, you were there the other day, said something really awesome. She said, vulnerability is a vessel for something else like it needs to be a vessel like it's a tool yeah there you go like vulnerability doesn't just need to exist on its own like you become vulnerable to better yourself you become vulnerable to help others mm -hmm. you become vulnerable but like you said if you're in a room full of drug addicts and you're dumping this information about uh something not to do with 
drug addicts. I don't know what would be a good one about like how your father abused you or I don't know, something completely random that doesn't relate to that audience at all. Like Chad said, it just doesn't make any sense. No. And I I do this. I mean, this is what, this is how I teach on the basic course. Like I share some stories about in my testimony that I wouldn't share on the podcast. And I share those parts of my testimonies at times at, at the right time in our mission where they fit with the context of what the team's going through. Mm-hmm. Okay? You don't just blurt out your deepest, darkest secret yeah. out of nowhere. If I, if I told them those stories right in the beginning, those parts of my testimony right in the beginning, they would be like, man, this dude's freaking crazy. <laughs> but I tell them at a time when they fit, man. Yeah. And so sense. then it resonates with them. I hope that answers your question, brother. No, that makes good sense, boo. Um, R N A Man, R N A Man, four one eight says, "I'd love to hear an episode on marriage. What you're doing and why?" Well, I'll tell you right now, Brooke and I are not qualified to give you an episode on marriage right now. <laughs> we we've had a great marriage, but our life is is changing and has changed drastically yeah. multiple times over the last three years. Mm-hmm. And man, we we have to consistently work through stuff uh, with each other. Mm-hmm. All different types of struggles. I say things that are stupid all the time, man. And and you I know, do too. I think my best, the best advice that I can give on marriage right now. Now, you guys don't take this the wrong way. I, me and Brooke, love each other unconditionally. Oh Lord, I'm scared what and you're gonna say. I think my best advice on marriage is is just to not quit, man. Not yeah. quit. It's it's a long obviously you guys a lot of you guys probably know better than I do. It's a long process. Mm-hmm. It is a process. And usually I'm writing about this in my book right now. Usually the reason that most people um don't reach the objective that they want to reach with their marriage, with their business, uh, the reason most people don't reach that is because as they're going through the process, they become impatient and they quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the way it is. I mean, the process that I had to endure to become a SEAL, that was a really, that process started really in my childhood with the way my mother raised me and the things that she was training me to do and and teaching me all these foundational principles. Then I had to have the heart surgery. Then all this was a 10, 15 year long process that I had to endure to lead me up to the place where I had the tools that I needed in order to become the person that I was created to be in that time and space. How does that parallel marriage? Um, It's a long process. Yeah. But (laughs) there's no, there's no end game where like all of a sudden you're completed and like you know well, everything because we're ever changing people. Yeah, I, I think but Every, I, I think you reach a I think I have seen couples reach a place where they're settled. Who? Um I don't uh, let's see, a couple that's settled. I mean, I'm just thinking of a and No, a, people aren't settled, baby. I mean, what's your okay, let me say this. What's your definition of settled? Like Life is just not like constantly, like drastically changing. So, like, like when you retire, you have a place, you have you have this, like, yeah, you're settled. I don't know. 
maybe. But then when you retire. I'm thinking of like an old couple, like my grandparents. Yeah. Like they were settled. They loved each other. Yes, nothing wasn't perfect. Everything was not, I mean, I assume everything was not perfect. No. But they loved each other. There, There was no strife. They just knew who each other were. And they were settled. And yeah, but we don't know what they see. People don't know these little struggles me and you are going through right now. Just like I'm sure we don't know what your grandparents went through every day. And once you get settled and you retire and you're not working anymore, then you start to get sick and then you have problems with that. And then you, I feel like, I, I feel like people just need to be reasonable with their expectations for marriage. Well, that's a great point. They, That's a great point. Yeah. They don't need to expect, like our first three years, I think three or four years, well, my addiction kind of redid our marriage a little bit, so it's hard to say, but they were like, I was so in love with you and obsessed with you and in lust with you, and I expected it to be like that for forever. You know what I mean? Dang, you never get nothing done. You never get nothing done in <laughs> so life. So true. It's so true. But I think, in my opinion, the way to maintain a good marriage is just to constantly be intentional. And now I'm I'm being a hypocrite telling you guys that because I'm not all the time. But the best times that me and you have had have been when we're see, like right now he's aggravating the crap out of me, y'all. Like he's like shifting around when I'm talking. He's like looking at his watch and he seems like all perturbed. And like this is this is where we're at right now in our marriage is like this type of stuff. Like I don't feel heard and he doesn't understand why I don't feel heard and we can't fix it. I'm just letting you guys in right now. I'm telling you exactly what's going on. But like it's just a phase we're going through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and like you said, Life is freaking life, man. Life is not all butterflies and and a bed of flowers. Mm-mm. So yes, you you hit the nail on the head. What what are your expectations for a long term, a lifelong marriage? There's going to be really good seasons. You should expect that. Mm-hmm. You should expect there to be some really great seasons, and then you should you should also expect there to be some really low seasons. Mm-hmm. Some really tough crap that happens, and that's life. And it goes back to everybody is looking for the secret, man. Mm-hmm. The secret is there is no secret. <laughs> life is life. I remember when you got out of rehab. I remember that that it was a similar dynamic of your expectations for life, sober life, were like, way up here Mm -hmm. and i remember having to tell you the exact same thing no no baby this is what life is like Mm -hmm. you go out and ride your mountain bike and then you got a bunch of dishes to wash and Mm -hmm. you got to cook food then you eat a really good meal and like it's up down up down right yep and a marriage is the same Same. way it really is but i think you just can't quit man right and i think for me If me and you, most of the time when we struggle, it's because we're not, and I'm about to be quiet, it's because we're not making each other's priorities important. Because you value different things than I do, especially in a relationship and what's important to you. 
And we want to treat each other with what we value. Like I value acts of service and people doing things. You don't. That, yeah. you know. Like, I get really mission focused too. Yeah. I get really, like Brooke said, she feels like she's not being heard right now a lot of times in our marriage. And that's because I get really, really mission focused. And it's just a side effect from the way I lived my life for so long. It really is. I'm not making an excuse for myself. I mean, I have to learn to change that. But that is very true. Chad is, his personality is he moves from, I want to say obsession, but like most of the things he does is wonderful and productive and it changes lives. So obsession is not the right word, but you move from thing to thing, whether it's deer season, the podcast, um, I'm trying to think of some of the most recent ones. I just got to be all in. Yeah. I got to be all in on whatever's happening. But being all in means that a lot of times there's not room for me and mm-hmm. I have to fight for it, you know? Yeah. And I get I get frustrated. And like you said, that's where we're in one of those seasons right, right this moment. And we're going to marriage counseling. You know, we're talk, we sat down and talked earlier um, about you know, how I felt and he listened really well and gave me feedback and going to marriage counseling too has really helped us kind of like just put some tools in our pockets of, of how to, I don't know. I feel like it has. Yeah. It's a wonderful investment. Why? I mean, why would you not? Yeah. Even in, even in good seasons, why would you not? It's well, a, if you do it in good seasons, you're just getting prepared for yeah, the bad seasons. Exactly. And, and I do want to say there is a caveat scripturally to never quitting. Like, if your spouse is beating you, like, yeah, get out of there, man. Or uh, scripturally, if your spouse is cheating on you, you have every right to leave. I mean, scripturally, you do. This is not Chad talking. Yeah. Right? So there are caveats to that never quit. Um, and, and, again, those to me are backed up by uh, God's word, so that's the only reason I throw them in there because it's true. Yeah. But, well, we'll next, maybe one of the Origins episodes, which we got to record another one, like ASAP. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you guys the best story about what Chad did to me when we first started dating. <laughs> maybe we can uh, talk more about marriage then. Yeah, no, that's fine with me, boo-boo. Tell me how to see this bottom left hand. You just got to swipe, swipe over. Oh, I see. Thank you. Okay. Oh, dang. This is not as much as I thought it was. Richard, okay, Richard Boomer Berman, I think, I'm sorry, y'all, um, what are your goals this year, your big goals this year? Um, I mean, fitness goals, and Mid-State Mile and Penhody Trail, FKT. Um, Making his wife happy, that's yeah. the biggest of all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely, <laughs> yeah. that that is important. And we won't go back down that rabbit hole of marriage right now, but. Um, it would be terrible. I mean, my other goal is to uh, keep growing three the body of 307 Project, man. The mission, right? Um, so, yeah, those are my, that's what I work on. It's awesome. Um, By the way, guys. I can't achieve anything without y'all. So if you're listening to this, leave us a review on iTunes, please. 
please do that for me. (laughs) (laughs) He's desperate. Share this episode on Instagram or wherever you do social media. I would greatly appreciate uh, you helping this project. Not helping, being a part of it. Yeah, being a part of this project. Anytime they listen. Making an impact. Yeah. Listen to the podcast. Become part of Patreon. Go to one of our courses um, follow us on social media. They become a part of what we're doing. Yeah. They're just, we're all one big vessel, you know? I'm just a part of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So J. Matthew King says, besides not giving a pain to your voice, what kind of other positive words do you speak over yourself? Um, gosh. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I don't, I, it's hard to answer that because I think it, would change um, from race to race or hard thing to hard thing. But, you know, for me, it I think it goes back to that companionship with God. So prayer for me, I guess that speaking positive words over myself and also being in companionship with God, um, just talking to him uh, when I'm going through hard stuff helps me a lot. And uh, it's seeking seeking strength from him and knowledge from him and endurance from him and you know praying that he would supply all these things uh, in order to allow me to uh, glorify him through whatever I'm going through there are a few short scriptures that you like to quote um like I I wish I could remember do you know what I'm talking about like I do all things and through the sun the sun shall be or something <laughs> Well, yeah, there's, it? yeah. I mean, there's tons of scriptures that you can speak. I love, I love the scripture. I am, uh, you know, God. Ta- God's trying to describe Himself, and uh, He He literally, uh, our minds can't grasp Him, um, for a simple reason because He exists outside of time, and we can't grasp that. So He's trying to describe Himself, and He says, "I am that I am," and uh, you know. Those words, you can apply that to your life. I am whatever needs to, whatever you need to strengthen you in the moment, uh, in that furnace of adversity that you're going through. That's a, you know, that's a real simple one to remember. And I think a lot of people already use that, but that's biblical. Yeah. Any more you can think of? No. <clears throat> okay. Carry on. Um, the design man. What is the mental process once you hit a wall in a run that lets you keep going? Patience. You know it's going to be over soon. The wall will come down and you'll have another, I mean, eventually, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit you I hit, you I hit a wall in every, you know, super long run or super hard mission or whatever it is. Yeah, you're going to get to the point that even if you started out doing something that you love to do, you're going to hit a wall. If you stay in it long enough, you're going to hit a point where you don't like doing it anymore. That's how I am for running or, or with running. Um, you know, at the, every race, there's a 100-mile a race. There's going to be a place where I'm like, I am so over running. And then, yeah, the, the one thing that always gets me through and keeps me moving is falling back on that foundation of patience, which is uh, a virtue that I've literally – I'm writing about it right now, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get through. I think I'll have a whole book 
on just on patience because it is such a foundational thing that will get you over the mountain literally and metaphorically. And so that's what I fall back on when I hit that wall. It's just checking back in with myself, making sure I stay patient with that process. Uh, because if you, like Josie Wales said, if you lose your head and you give up, you neither win nor live. That's just the way it is. The patient hillbilly wizard <laughs> has spoken. Um, it works, man. What does it feel like for you when you hit a wall? Like, how would you describe that? Well, I mean, you it's can hit it di- different in different ways. I mean, if you're if you get behind on nutrition or something, you know, in, in a from a physical standpoint, yeah, you you can hit a wall like that, and you, there are things that you can do to fix that. You know, like eat a gel or. But it's just like in that instance, it's just fatigue, lack of energy. Muscles hurt. Yeah, that's more of a physical wall, and you can fix that through, like, literal means of eating the right stuff. I think mentally, um, you you know, I mean, you hit walls and all kinds of stuff, business or um, relationships or whatever. When you hit that wall, you just got to say, slow down. I'm going to step back a minute. I'm going to be patient with this. If I need to take a little – take a little – pause here to recharge that's okay too nothing wrong with that and um and then ease right back into it and keep that constant forward motion that's what oh that's one thing i say to myself besides give your pain a voice constant forward motion i mean don't give your pain a voice constant forward motion matthew king yeah there you go matthew king um james dot Brielle, 83, said, Happy Easter. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) Um, Jake from ST underscore farm says he's running his first ultra on Saturday. Any tips? Um, I I mean, mean, everything you were just saying. We could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. Just uh, stay patient, present, deliberate, maintain constant forward motion, and don't quit. And you're going to be fine. And say you never get tired all the yeah, time. Yeah, that helps too. The whole time you're running. That does help. And poo before you start running. <laughs> um, training with tacos says that's pretty great. Can't seem to fix my knee pain for the life of me. Any suggestions? <laughs> I got some. When yeah, you're done. I don't have knee pain, guys. So I don't, I mean, if I was having some knee pain, you, and, depending on the knee pain you're having, a lot of people's knee pain comes from their uh, IT band, but Mm -hmm. that may not be what you're experiencing. The only knee pain I've ever experienced has been from my IT band, and all I did was strengthen my hips by using bands, doing band work with, yeah, big rubber bands. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's all I got on knee pain because that's not my expertise. Pops is pretty... I mean, you've gone through some crazy little injuries and stuff like at Cruel Jewel and, and things like that, but your body is pretty awesome. Like, you don't have a lot of out alignment. One leg's not a lot longer than the other. Your joints are pretty good. Like, you're just blessed, you know? Yeah, and, and I, I've been, I have been durable throughout my life, but I think that's also because I play, I, I freaking work hard. And I play hard, but I also rest 
and I eat good and I take time off. I mean, when deer season comes in, I don't run. I might go out and run a couple miles every now and then. I mean, I generally stay fit, but I take there are certain times in my year where I shut it down, man. Mm-hmm. And that I think that gives me more longevity. Yeah. From a durability standpoint. Now I am just covered up with little aches and pains and I think it's cuz I have bad I have psoriasis and I'm starting to have finger joints, knee pain, and I, my doctor thinks I have psoriatic arthritis, which is not a big deal. Um, but my knees hurt a lot. And we've started doing, thanks to Jesse, I've started doing cold plunges. That helps tremendously. Um, I take a ton of curcumin every day, which is the active ingredient in turmeric. I swear that helps. I use CBD. I use castor oil. I mean... A lot of topical stuff. Yeah. yeah, a lot of topical stuff at night on my knees and on my joints. But, man, there's so many things that you can try out there that aren't medication. And the biggest thing that I've noticed that's helped me is just not eating junk. Like, not eating sugar, not eating a lot of processed foods, avoiding just eating whole foods. Because mm-hmm. a lot of foods have naturally anti-inflammatory parts to them, and then a lot of foods cause inflammation. So I think I think you can, if you're struggling with chronic pain, I think you can assess your life and try to figure out what you can add, what you can remove, and do everything you can before you go try to get surgery or anything. Yeah, and you may just need to take a few months off. Months? I mean, or, or however long. Usually when I have an injury or something is hurting a muscle or tendon or something, I stop until it feels completely better. And then I wait another week after that. And then I start again. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's legit. I hate taking time off. So I can't stand not working out. It makes me feel crazy. All right. Training with tacos. Hope your knee gets better. Um, Davis JM0211 says, can you do an episode about addiction? Uh, I can't. Brooke probably could. <laughs> you can't quit dipping. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's, I don't think that's what he's talking about. You don't know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people want to quit smoking desperately because it's killing them, but they can't. And that's very similar to your Copenhagen addiction. Answer is not today. Biscuit doesn't like me talking about this. Maybe one day. I would love to do an episode about addiction. Maybe Pops. If if the Origins series, if Pops ever lets me talk about myself, you might get to hear some stuff about addiction. He doesn't like me right now. Don't say that. I do. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. PBFD80 says, favorite verse or story, F- favorite running shoes and shorts, and love your mindset and message. Um, favorite verse is probably whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Whom Jesus sets free is free indeed. And the reason is because uh, Christ, Jesus Christ literally set me free. I mean, this whole term born again is such a churchy word, term, whatever. But I don't know any other way to describe it. When I got saved... Uh, and Jesus Christ 
literally set me free from like such a, a such a terrible life that I was living. Didn't think it was that bad then because everybody around me was acting the same way, but I didn't realize how bound up in uh in just hatred and anger and like legitimate sin I was. So that's what that one always stands out to me. Do you say favorite running shoes? And shorts. Favorite running shoes prob- right now, uh, Hoka, Speed Goats. If I'm running a long race, if I'm just out kind of fast packing, Solomon XA Pros. Favorite running shorts, Exoskin shorts. Easy day. Nice. You like the new shorts. Um, <clears throat> what's the company that just sent you some shorts? <sighs> the they do the supplements oh first form yeah. yeah that's what i'm talking for the gym they're great yeah yeah i don't like shorts with liners in them though for running oh okay oh yeah. duh okay yeah but for yeah. the gym yeah they're awesome and yeah i would run in them too i mean i wouldn't run i wouldn't run a hundred miler in them like just them i might wear chafe. them for a section or something yeah but. yeah i didn't think about the liner um benjamin oh benjamin you don't have to get it right. Odoo Basic. I don't want to butcher their Instagram handle. They'll what, know who it is. <clears throat> what's more important in your 20s? Your relationship or career? Or it actually, don't let me skew it. It says, what's more important in your 20s, period? Relationship or career? <clears throat> I don't know what he's referring to. Relate like, maybe like your, I, I assume your relationship with your family or your wife, your spouse or your girlfriend or your career um well in my 20s early 20s i wasn't married so uh me and brooke were just dating so for me definitely my career was more important and it worked out pretty great because it has led us to the place that we are today which is an awesome place to be in uh if you're married i don't think you you don't have a choice in the matter at that point, if you're married, then yeah, you you'll have to put your family first, um, because if your family is falling apart, likely you're not going to be operating at your maximum capacity within your career. So yeah, I mean, and it was that way in the SEAL teams. Guys that were married, I mean, if their marriage started to fall apart, if they had the balls to stand up and say, "Hey, my marriage is falling apart," the you know they were allowed to go and take care of their family because everybody knows, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Your family's going to be with you forever. Your girlfriend might not be with you forever. So if you just got a girlfriend, then you do what you want to do. But if she's just your girlfriend or your boyfriend, you need to be focused on getting your work done, man. Working yourself into a position that's going to set you up for the future but your family's gonna be with you forever so family should always be the priority is what you're saying i think yeah i mean i think family yeah family's always their priority now it there i think there can be a point to where if it is a spouse or a even a family member i guess but especially a spouse there can be a point where if they're dragging you down so much that it's like I think you can reach a point where you have you say family first, but 
you also have to have a house and groceries. So, you know what I mean? So there is a point where you got to be like, hey, husband or wife, do you want me to sit here with you and like invest this time into you or do you want to eat tomorrow? Right? And then you got to go and, and get some work done. So it's a, it's a dynamic situation, man. Next question is Jeton 99 Faith has been a real struggle lately. I feel like just going through the actions is hypocritical. Advice, question mark. That, that resonates a ton with me. Well, you know, what stood out to me in that question is just going through the motions feels hypocritical or going through the actions is hypocritical, right? But the Bible actually tells us that the evidence that we are truly sons and daughters of Christ, like what that looks like is living out those actions, living out the, the, living out the, the principles and the, setting that example of Christ. So if you're going through the motions, in other words, if you're living out your life as in uh, to to portray Christ or the principles of God's word that's actually evidence that you are his son or daughter like tangible visible evidence from that the world can look at you and say man that's a that's a son or daughter of Christ right um you know so living out those actions and still struggling with your internal faith in god like good on you man good on you for you're not being a hypocrite just because you're struggling internally with your relationship with your creator you haven't let that beat you you're still you're still doing your best to live to walk the walk man you're not being a hypocrite good on you for doing that dude that is evidence that you are still in the fight, man. If you just gave up on that because you're struggling in your faith and you just decided, I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go this other route. Um, that is a bad, bad path to go down. So you're in a good place right now, dude. And uh, if your faith is struggling, I encourage you to get in. The word of God, man. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, reading and memorizing and speaking the word of God will increase your faith. It's amazing to me how many people own a Bible or multiple Bibles, but they, they don't set aside time to really get in it and read it and understand it. And then they say, and I'm not saying this guy, I'm not saying this is you, man. I'm just saying people in general. Then they say, well, I'm struggling in my faith. And I'll be like, how many hours have you spent? This is God's word. He, he wrote you a book. It's the best-selling book in the history of mankind. How many hours have you spent? in it this week and you know (laughs) i feel that though like i feel like back when i was going to regent 
<clears throat> or I guess it was after, and I was going to a church with Jessica. We started a read the Bible in a year thing. And it was this piece of paper that told you to read three chapters a night. And I did that for a few months. Like I vividly remember this. And I kept thinking like, I'm doing all this, going to a Christian school, attending church every night or morning. I'm reading. It was at night when I read. I thought my faith was going to increase. And it was almost like the expectations of a marriage. Like, I feel like, what was his name? Jeton. I don't know. This is just my opinion. I know your perspective is completely different on religion. But for me, I struggle a lot. And I got frustrated that I spent that time in the Bible and in the Word. And I felt like a couple months was enough that God should have given me a measure of faith. But he didn't. So, really, what I should have done is kept doing that for the rest of time. Well, I, I think, I don't know, I, I think there there's a couple aspects of this. And first of all, I, I want to try to change the language around going to church. I think we should say going to the church building because we are the church. Yeah, We are the body of Christ. So, you are going to the church building. Yeah. Um, I, I think another thing is <clears throat> how are you treating that time when you go and get in God's word, are you literally setting it aside? Are you making an effort to find a quiet place, a quiet time to quiet your mind, to put aside all of the distractions and give that time to God in order to study his word? And then, yes, it may not, you may not see the fruits of it in two months, three months, four months. I want y'all to understand my walk with my companionship with God, this has been a 12, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. This has been a nine-year journey for me. Nine years. And I'm still in this book every single day, yeah. usually two or three times a day. You put in the work more than anybody I've ever seen when it comes to your faith. And nobody can say that you don't. But you had an experience when you were in Germany that just, in my opinion, it kind of slapped you in the face. Like, Oh my gosh, God is real. Like this is all real. This I've got to change my life because this is my salvation or not. This is my purpose. And some people don't have that moment and that changes everything. Well, yeah, I guess some people don't have that experience but i don't think that experience maybe that experience was the catalyst for my journey but that experience did not lead to the faith that god has given me today that it wasn't that experience it it's the experience of spending countless hours of prayer and also reading his word and being in companionship and trying to follow him and seek him and his purposes and his wisdom. Those countless hours, and I'm not saying that you can necessarily earn your faith. Your faith is given to you as a gift, but if you are struggling with what you have, I think you can increase it, right? You can increase it, but it's like everything else in, in, in life for is the law of science for every action. There's an equal and opposite reaction. But if you don't do something to initiate the action, you're not going to get the reaction and that reaction 
again, maybe something that is not within the, 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 the time cap that you've put on it. And again, there we go back to that process. The number one reason, uh, maybe not the number one, but the main reason that people don't, we're talking about, for me personally, my story, a nine years of study. I should have a doctor's degree in the Bible by now just to get me to where I am now. And by no means am I completely whole. And and I, I don't like it. It's a, it's a constant thing. So, man, be patient with that process. If you're struggling your faith, take action, man. Get in the Word. Set aside time. And if that means getting up a little extra early or that means um, shutting the TV off or putting the phone away, and making that real time that you're dedicating to God, just do it, man. I promise you, you will see results. It's, this is scriptural. This Everything in this book is truth. There's not a promise in this book that is untrue. God will keep his word to you. But you, you have free will. That's, that is my, that's how I build faith in my life, personally. But most... Most people aren't going to do that. They're just not. Okay. Kurt.L.K. says, Things like the Big Bang sound crazy to me, but if I wasn't raised in a Christian home, would God would too? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, it's a statement. Oh yeah, statement. That's a really interesting statement. I love I love that there are so many of these questions are are um spiritually based. Like people could ask I threw this out there, people could ask me anything. These are the things they're asking about. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because it tells you how hungry people are for that con- that companionship with their creator. Cuz that's why we were created. That's why people are hungry for it. It should give you confidence if you have faith in God to share your faith with other people. Um, yeah, you're, you're, I, I get it, man. Um, what immediately came to my mind when, when you said that question, uh, and this may sound really weird is, uh, is native American tribes. And you think about these, these, this whole culture of people that existed on the North American continent for no, I don't know how long they were here for a long time that had never been exposed to either theory, the big bang theory or the theory of a creation. But in their human mind, assessing the nature and the habitat that they lived in. And also when they looked up into the sky, everything they were surrounded with, it led them overwhelmingly to belief in a god or a creator or multiple gods <laughs> or multiple gods and now their, I, and, there's- and, and and you know I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying that that they were that they I I don't know how to I think we could do a study and assess how to handle that specific situation <clears throat> but you know for for you to say if I wasn't raised in a Christian home, then the idea of God would be just as foreign to me as the Big Bang Theory. I have to disagree with that. I think if you weren't raised in a Christian home and you also weren't raised in, a, in an atheistic home, I think 
that if you assessed the magnificence of what you were surrounded by, the idea of God would not be foreign to you. I think the idea of God would be probably front and center if you lived in creation, not if you lived in downtown New York. <laughs> if you lived in creation. The, 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 our world, the creation, is, it is a beacon that points you to God, the perfection of it, the intricacy of it. If that, I, I know maybe that doesn't answer your question, man. That's just what came to my mind. You can't see God in downtown New York? Well, I, I think there is less evidence of Creation. his magnificence. Like you're referring to like animals and trees and oh, plants yeah, man. and birds and I mean just even the little things you see in dirt, man. And you live out here and you realize how it's all hinged upon the next thing. It's it's all worked together perfectly. And if one little thing goes away, the whole dang thing will collapse. You know, the, 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 the bee, the honeybee, y'all know that. That's the, that's the most widespread example, right? But that little bitty insect goes away. And I'm sure for scientists out there, there are plenty of microorganisms in the dirt or the air or wherever. If that little microorganism went away, the whole system would collapse. It's just freaking mind-boggling, man. And, and the idea of that happening <clears throat> and the chain building that well over time from a big bang is crazy. From random, from, from chaos. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, that's just what came to my mind when I heard that question. Great question, by the way, brother. Statement. Statement. My bad. <laughs> Conversation starter. Yeah. Um, Chris Barbera says... And I know the answer to this one. What do you do for the bottom of your feet during an ultra? He said he just did his first 50 mile in sheesh. Yeah, I just, what I'll do is I'll just take a light coat of salty britches and put it all over my feet, bottom, top, in between my toes, everything. Then I'll pull a pair of my exoskin toe socks on over top of them. Make sure my shoe fits right and um, they're laced up good. And I don't have a lot of issues out of the bottom of my feet. Another thing, I think the bottom of your feet, if you just did your first 50-miler, that's understandable that the bottom of your feet got, you know, pretty pretty chewed up. Um, I think the, the bottoms of your feet will toughen over time. Mm -hmm. You guys understand. You guys know how anti-evolution that I am. I'm all for adaptation, right? Adaptation is, is so true. And one example of a adaptation is the way your body can adapt to – the stresses that you're putting on it. And, uh, yeah, your, your feet will toughen up. Stay after it, brother. Nice. Um, J.C. Koopa says, how do you draw the line between what is forgivable and what is not with a loved one? Man, that could be a whole freaking podcast. It really could. Um, how do you draw the line between what is forgivable and what is not with a loved one? You know, I, you know, I, I can only assume, I, I mean, I'll just assume you're talking about, uh, maybe within a marriage, um, you know, I, I think, I, I don't know that there's anything that is unforgivable 
And again, you got to go. That's the great thing about having the Bible, man. You have a guideline. And the Bible says, like, you know, you should for, forgive your enemy 70 times 7 or something. Like, and if you think about that example that Christ set for us, you got to think he forgave and has forgiven us and literally took the burden of all of our mistakes and our imperfection and our sin and our hatred. He took all of that upon himself, and then he crucified himself on a cross. Like He was literally forgiving to the very... He, he forgave all of humanity, along with the, the, the guys that were hanging on crosses right beside, to the right and left of him that were mocking him, right? And when I look at Christ, man, I think, is there anything that's, that just can't be forgiven? We may not have the strength to forgive in and of ourselves, but if we really seek him, I think that he can give us the strength to forgive anything. Mm-hmm. He did that for us. So that's the best way I can answer that question. And I don't think forgiving means necessarily like acceptance or like your wife or husband cheats on you or your father, sister, something does something terrible to you. You can forgive them, but that doesn't mean you have to maintain the relationship if it's not healthy for you. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, Like that's a whole nother, like you said, a whole nother podcast about boundaries and, you know, knowing whether People are good for, for your life or not, family or not, you know? That's it, boo. I like that. Um, You want to do a few more? No. Yeah, we can hit a few more. I don't know how long we've been going. An hour and 20 minutes. Dang. Okay. Yeah. Um, Nicholas Slivers, uh, I like your name, says, how does faith influence health and fitness, and how does fitness and health influence faith? I like that. That's a really good question. How does faith and influence health and fitness? Um, and vice versa. Well, for me, um, faith influences my health and fitness because here's the thing: if if I'm gonna sit here and tell you that I'm being that that I am a, if I'm gonna sit here and tell you about Jesus, and I'm a fat slob, I don't think I don't think I've earned your ear. I don't think that you I don't think I have any right to be standing in front of you and talking to you about spiritual matters if I can't even handle my own body. Mm-hmm. If I can't even keep my own body in check. Uh it's and th- this is scriptural, guys. Paul says I train my body and I bring it into subjection lest when I preach to others I would be found to be disqualified. Mm-hmm. All right, and that's how my faith affects my fitness. Is I feel like, again, if you guys are gonna tune into this show, and, and listen to me, I got to be squared away, man. Especially if we're gonna listen to me about spiritual matters, I dang sure better be squared away enough to handle my own body. And fitness, the way it affects my faith. 100% it brings me closer to God. The better I feel, the 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 more time I'm going to spend in companionship with God. Cuz if I don't freaking feel good, guess what I want to do? 
I want to lay around and be a turd or I'm going to be in the doctor's office or I'm going to be doing something else. If I feel good, yes, I'm going to spend more time in companionship with God. So that's the way. Great question, man. Nice. You want to do one more? Yeah. Let me, I want to look at them and make sure there's not one that I really wanted to answer. Um, oh, top top books that, that I like. Uh, the ones, okay, I got a few. Pilgrim's Progress is a really great book. These are top Christian faith books. So The Pilgrim's Progress, um, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, The Long War Against God by Henry Morris. I'm reading Defending the Faith right now by Henry Morris. Um, quite obviously, The Bible. I love that. Um, if you want a more fictional book, uh, that means it's like not true, right? Fiction. Yes. Or, or is that nonfiction? Nonfiction is true. Okay. If you want a more fictional type book, there's a book I read the other day called The Robe. I don't know who it's by. It's called The Robe. <laughs> it was. It's. It's really, really good. It's a Christian uh, fiction book. So who asked that question? Um, Kath, uh, Kath Mora. Okay. So there you go. Um, John says, "How do you make good coffee? You got to get an espresso machine." All right. Let's see. Running shoes. We already hit that. Focus. Talking about shin pain. <clears throat> Dude, my freaking shins hurt so bad when I was training to get a SEAL contract that I literally couldn't stand up out of bed in the morning. Your shins will get better. Yes. I mean, they hurt that bad. I'm not kidding you. It was the worst freaking leg pain I've ever had in my life. And uh, your legs will adapt to the stress that you're putting on them. It may take you about a year. But run when you can. When your shins hurt too bad to walk, back off. When they get better, go out and run again. Salt tabs, don't use them, Ben. I, I don't use any salt tabs, never have. Uh, drink mixes, I've used Tailwinds. I've used the Goo stuff. Uh, First Form's got one that I'm testing right now called Intraformance. So, yes, I do use those. Man, there's so many questions. And, and don't. Don't not use salt tabs because I know they've worked really well for some people. Yeah, they just, just don't work for you. Yeah, it's just me. Yeah. I, I don't cramp though. I don't. Yeah. I don't ever cramp. Um, do I ever trim my beard? No. Um, how do you decide? This is Ben again. Ben Goins. Uh, hey Ben. How do you decide? I think Ben's doing mid-state miles, so I think I got to compete uh, compete against him. I don't probably nice. shouldn't be answering his questions. Um, <laughs> How do you decide where to read in the Bible during my daily reading? Uh, Good it's, question. It's, yeah, it's, I think there's for me, there's no standard for that. Um, for me, if I'm going through something specifically in my life, uh, then then I, then my, my reading and what I'm reading in the Bible will be uh, revolving around that, right? Whatever the issue is. Uh, but if, you know, everything's good to go and... I'm not seeking any specific answer to a question, then I'm just going to bounce around, man, and uh, and have fun with it. Yep. So we'll shut it down right there, boo-boo. That's a lot of freaking questions, man. Yeah, it is. And, hey, I appreciate you guys sending these questions in. They were awesome. All those questions were great and led to what I thought was some pretty valuable conversation. Definitely. You good, Beth? Yeah, I'm good. All right, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. This is the 3 of 7 Podcast. Enough said.